Well, hi, everybody, and welcome to Anti-Bullying 101. This podcast is designed to create awareness about the bullying epidemic and provide teachers, administrators, parents, and even students information about the dangers of bullying and why we have to take a comprehensive approach when dealing with the problem. My name is Jim Burns. I'm your host. I'm a retired high school administrator with over 40 years of experience in education. Currently, I'm a college instructor, and I've designed the Bullyproof Classroom, a graduate course that provides my students with permanent help, not temporary relief, as they battle the bullying epidemic. Enjoyed the podcast, everybody. Hi again, everybody, and uh, welcome back to Anti-Bullying 101. Now, in case you're wondering, that was uh, Gene Wilder and Young Frankenstein screaming, It's Alive. Uh, I thought that uh, the 1931 version was far better uh, in terms of the monster being alive. Um, And I think that... um, um, I used those sound clips to kind of set the stage for what I want to talk about today. At any rate, my name is Jim Burns, and we're here to talk about bullying, and I welcome you back to another episode of Anti-Bullying 101, and we talk about a variety of topics here, but, you know, bullying is the is the main piece, uh, but many people experience a host of other problems, domestic violence, workplace bullying, cyberbullying, community and family bullying. And, you know, I, I want to tell you, when I speak to people, I discover that they seem to be having trouble with the people that are closest to them in their life, like their parents or their brothers and sisters and so on. It's people become angry and bitter and they don't realize that there's a choice that they can that they can make and it's just as easy to develop love joy peace and patience as it is to be angry bitter and vengeful now this podcast is designed for anyone who wants to have a fuller more vibrant life and to offer some ideas how to balance the physical mental emotional and spiritual area areas of their life but we are and make no mistake about it, anti-bullying 101. So it's really my hope that we can help everyone live a life without the fear of harassment, intimidation, and bullying. Now, several, I'm going to say three years ago, were so, um, I wrote an, a lesson plan attached with an article Um, that was called, What If 
the Frankenstein monster was really a nice guy. And I've been looking at this for quite some time, and it was used, it was a lesson plan designed to speak about weakness and difference. Now, Mary Shelley wrote this book, and, you know, it was um, her, you know, her modern-day Prometheus, and it, it's a book that has haunted us from the time, you know, you know, it was written. And when, when the movie came out in 1931, the conversation was, can life really be created in a laboratory? And back then... Everyone said, you know, no, nah, that's not possible. And back then it probably wasn't possible, but I got news for you right now it is. And I wanted to talk about the Frankenstein monster just for a moment before I go over some of the ins and outs of, of this um, lesson plan that I have and why it's so important to take a look at this and maybe even to show this movie and I don't mean uh, young Frankenstein, I mean the actual Frankenstein to your students. Frankenstein was not the monster. He was the Frankenstein monster, meaning he was built by Dr. Frankenstein. And he was created from body parts from cadavers. And they ended up not the um, the brain that they wanted to use for this monster. They thought they were going to get from a hanging victim, but the brain was destroyed. It, it was not in good shape. And they had to find another brain. And Frankenstein sent his assistant to try and find another brain. And this assistant, who of course is a hunchbacked fella, and I mean, I'll call him Igor for lack of a better word, goes to a um, medical, uh, to a hospital, and he hears a lecture by a doctor, and the doctor has the two brains, two brains sitting on his desk, and he says, this is an abnormal brain, this is the uh, a brain of a normal person, and when this guy sees these two brains, he wants to get to the lab to get the, the, the brain of the normal person to steal it, but he gets, sh he gets shook up because someone was coming, and he ends up putting the one brain down, he picks up the brain of the abnormal person. Actually, it was the brain of a murderer, uh, and they ended up putting this brain into the head of the Frankenstein monster. Now, the Frankenstein monster didn't ask to be created, but he was. And my, my point here is, what a person creates, they have to control. We deal with our own children all the time, and when they're little, you know, we created them. We have to control what they do. We don't allow them to touch hot stoves. We don't allow them to be disrespectful. We don't allow them to wander off without supervision, you know, and so on. So we have to keep an eye on our own kids. That's not something that these 
two doctors because the doctor who was lecturing on the abnormal brain became a friend of Dr. Frankenstein and helped him with the creation. Now, here, here's the, the piece. He was created, meaning he was born. He was put in a position where he didn't know what to do because he was just, he was an angry guy, but they tried to train him. They couldn't do it. They found out he was afraid of fire. They taunted him. And in one part of the of the movie, the doctor said, leave him alone, just let him alone. And isn't that the case that we do with, with our kids at times? You know, just leave him alone, they'll be all right. Leave him alone, they'll be fine, you know, and so on. Well, this thing escapes and it goes off and, it, and it's wandering around through the woods and it comes upon a little girl who befriends him. And, be, and they start throwing flowers into the into the lake and what happens is the monster runs out of flowers that's the question I'll have for you at one point what do you do when you run out of flowers so what does he do he has nothing to throw in the lake he throws the little girl into the lake and of course the girl drowns and there's you know an uproar in the city and they all go after the Frankenstein monster Now, let's change this story just a little bit. What if the Frankenstein monster was really a nice guy? You know, the monster who was played by Boris Karloff in a series of, you know, 1930, 31 films was a bully who went on a murderous rampage but in the end, he, he really got the audience's pity as the townspeople tracked him like a dog because of his abject cruelty. He was just an angry guy, and of course, you're not going to give this thing therapy. And the bully became a victim. And in this unknown hamlet, in some lot at Universal Studios, the crowd trapped him and burned down the building where he sought his escape, and that was at a windmill. Now, they thought they killed him, but this was only the beginning, because they had to leave room for several sequels, and so they had The Bride of Frankenstein, Frankenstein Returns, and other, and other movies. This plan that I have what the indicates and it is about weakness and difference there's no doubt that the monster was different which is one of the reasons why they had to get rid of him and weakness and difference are two reasons why victims today get bullied now this monster wasn't weak but he certainly was different as I shared, he was put together with body parts from corpses that were buried in graveyards. The problem was they couldn't get the right head. They couldn't get the right brain. And they ended up with a criminal on their hands that they couldn't control. Now, let's ask this question. 
suppose, just suppose, it was the brain of, from a father of three with an IQ of 140. Suppose the head was from a handsome Brad Pitt-looking fellow that the girls were crazy for. This would make quite a story, wouldn't it? And Dr. Frankenstein would be on the cover of Time magazine with his newly created friend. Now, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, or the modern Prometheus, has haunted us all the way to a time when life is routinely reinvented in a lab. The question that needs to be answered is this. How? would we as a society today react to a being that was created in a lab and who was a nice guy? See, we fear difference all the time. There are people that are different from us all the time. And it's not that we, you know, are... uh, prejudiced, we are afraid of the difference. We fear the difference. And we have to ask ourselves, would, if we ran across someone like this, would we fear the difference or would, would we embrace this creation as a marvel of modern science? Now, I think we have to ask some questions And I think these are the questions that I'd like you to ask your students. And I would encourage you, if you don't purchase this lesson plan, and I'm going to be putting this together in a very large presentation very soon, which will be a um, basically a short course. But I would encourage you to purchase the lesson plan and use it with your students. Because you are asking them their opinion. And then you're going to ask them to share with others. This is a great lesson for a science class, a social studies class, humanities class, English class. And the questions need to be answered and people have to be honest with themselves. What are they going to do if they are confronted or they meet an artificially created person. Now here's some of the questions. Let's assume that you're the creator. What would you name him? As an example, my name is Burns, so I might call him Burnsy or maybe Bernsenstein. What name would you use for this person? Tom, Bob, Joe? I mean, what would you name him? Remember, he was artificially created. And then you have the the case of your friends. Sometimes we can make friends with someone who is so different that it becomes, and for children it becomes even more difficult because they have to introduce the person of difference to their friends. You see what I'm saying here? What do you do? How do you handle this? How do you handle it? How do you teach kids to handle it? How do you teach kids to handle the difference in others 
especially an other who was friends with other people, and he had introduced them. Suppose their friends were were prejudiced against them. Where would you say he came from? Where would you say his parents were? How could kids manage this? How would would you withhold information about him because of a fear of a reaction of others? It's a question that kids have to ask. Because this person is different. And in reality, he was emotionally weak, and that emotional weakness led to fear, and that fear led to him killing people. Would you let him live with you or try to find him a place to live? Remember, he's a nice guy. What kind of job do you think he could hold, and how would you find him work? Can't just hang around you and your your parents and other people in your family, would you help him find work? Remember, he's not a kid. He hasn't been, he doesn't have to grow into his body. He's been developed. He's already sewn together, ready to go. And he's just a person that's out there right now, ready to, you know, live life. And if they did discover how he was created, How would you handle their reaction? You see, we don't want to lose friends. We want to make friends. But we we also have to learn that if we want to make friends, we have to deal with differences. And we have to accept differences in others. We have to value the difference. There's a chance that you could get bullied just because of the fact that you hang around with someone of difference. And there's a chance that your new frown friend could also get bullied. Can also get bullied. And what do you do then? See, and this is this can go take on, you know, a, a, a great deal of meaning when you think about dealing with people who have handicapping conditions. Dealing with people who are cognitively impaired. Dealing with people who are in group homes. uh, Becoming friends. Wanting to help people out. Wanting to teach people. You know, dealing with uh, people that you meet that maybe don't have the same intelligence that you have. But they have different abilities in different areas that you could could, um, become friends with them. And maybe... Certain people would want to become friends with you. See, that's the interesting thing. And what do you do if you don't want to be friends with them? How would you help this thing manage its anger? That's another thing. You don't want him to get angry. He's a nice guy, but you certainly know how he was created. You have to teach him some social skills and how to get along with people... And, and that could be your job. This thing, this creation is like a newborn. So how would you raise them to have the necessary skills 
to live on, live on his own and fit into an ever-changing world. Now, what I would encourage you to do, if you are a teacher, is to watch the 1931 version of Frankenstein and have your students read Mary Shelley's book, and you can get it in Google Books for free. Then take the time to rewrite the conclusion with the assumption that the Frankenstein monster was really a nice guy. Now, Dr. Frankenstein kind of went off the deep end. Now, this was actually... um, Gene Wilder, that was doing... Alive! It's alive! It's alive! But what I want you to do is I want you to listen to or go to YouTube and watch... It's like a three-minute clip of the doctor getting ready to send this dead body up to the electrical storm and then bring him down... And when he discovers that this body is alive and he screams, it's alive, it's alive. Now what I know, now I know what it feels like to be God. He lost all sense of reality. He almost couldn't understand right from wrong himself. Because the doctor was, you know, he wasn't a bad guy. But sometimes... You know, we can be in positions where we're dealing with different people and different things and so on. And I've often said it's not the sane that drive the insane sane, but it's the insane that drive the sane insane. He was driven crazy by this. Sometimes when we are trying to deal with the difference, we our, our perspective is bad and we don't look at things the right way. And we start accepting their way of life, their difference, their um, actions, even though they might be wrong and they, they have to be taught, as your children do, as right. And then we got a problem. Because that's when you have to dismantle Frankenstein. Say, your children, our children, get created. And we determine the direction that they're going to go in life. And when we don't correct them, we don't deal with them, we don't help them, we don't point them in the right direction, what starts to happen is we end up with a Frankenstein monster on our hands in our own home as a teenager And that's when we have to start the dismantling process. And that comes from then disciplining. It could come from putting people out of the house. It could come from withholding things. It could come from a bunch of things. But the bottom line is, I've never seen it where when we're trying to change the behavior of a teenager, where where the behavior between the parents and the teenager or the relationship between the parents and the teenager didn't take a huge hit that didn't 
that didn't get repaired until much later in life. So the bottom line is, is the, the, the old adage, it's much easier to build a boy than to mend a man, is true here. And that's what I want us all to understand. We need to build this thing the right way. What if the Frankenstein monster was a nice guy? That, if he was a nice guy, that means he was built the right way. We need to build our children the right way so that we don't end up having difficulty with them down the road as Dr. Frankenstein did with the monster. My name is Jim Burns. You've been listening to Anti-Bullying 101. I'm going to post this lesson plan uh, on my uh, in the episode description. You can go to the uh, Bullyproof Classroom store and get it. I'll put that there too. If you didn't listen to my podcast uh, that I did last week, last Tuesday, I interviewed Mike Kazala, who has written a book called The Peak Performing Teacher. I would encourage you to listen to uh, listen to that, and I'd encourage you to pick up that book because you'll like it. Uh, also, um, I have several books that I'm going to put up in my in this episode description. One of them is uh, the Teacher Survival Guide, and the other one is the Power of Consistency. You can get those from the Bullyproof Classroom website as well. Um, So make sure you take a look at that. Right now, we're moving into spring. It's Tuesday. It's a beautiful sunny day outside. I think if you're hanging around, you need to get out and take a walk. If you're working, go get a walk in too at lunchtime or something like that. I would hope that everyone has a great day. I hope that you enjoy your 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 work or your family or your lunch break or whatever you're going to do find a way to be appreciative of all that's going on because life is too short so just love what you got and keep moving forward okay and uh, once again my name is Jim Burns and thank you so much for listening to anti-bullying 101 